Well, welcome this morning to the North Canton Chapel on New Year's Eve. We um, are excited today about what God's going to do. Today's service is going to be a little bit different. I'm going to talk to you about that. Um, but, but welcome today. We're so glad that you chose to be here with us. As you came in, underneath the seat ahead of you is a, a, a Connect card that you can fill out and put one of the offering boxes in the back with prayer requests or whatever's going on in your life. We, we'd love for you to do that today. We want to pray for you coming into the new year. Now, I don't know if you have New Year's resolutions. Um, I, I think over the years, I was adding it up, I have committed to lose 750 pounds over the last <laughs> 20 years of my life, and uh, I haven't. And, uh, and so um, we, we make all kinds of commitments moving into the new year, but I'm really excited about the journey that God's going to take us on here coming into the new year. Um, we have a series, and it starts today, called Making Space. Anybody feel like their life is a little bit cluttered? Anybody? Yeah, a little bit? Uh, we all feel that way in some way, that there's this, this clutter. It's how do I fit everything into my life? How do I fit all the things that I want to be and do into the day-to-day -day of my life? Well, we wanted to intentionally create space. And so this morning, the service is going to do that. We're going to intentionally make space. And so today, instead of a full message, what's going to happen in a minute is we're going to have some scripture reading. And then um, I'm going to get up and talk for a few minutes over Psalm 139, which is where we'll spend most of our morning. And then we'll go, go into a prayer time, and then I'll come back up, and we'll do a little bit more, and we'll go back and forth like that. And so today is a guided time of prayer as we move into the new year that we're asking for God to speak to us in a special way. And so we've called Making Space 40 Days of Prayer and Fasting. And so some of you, if you, if you have a card or if you've gotten one, there's a Making Space card. And on the back of it, it says Praying For and Fasting From. Some, some ways to think about that is, is we're praying for, maybe, maybe over this next season of 40 days, praying for God to do something in your life and for God to do something in, in others and in this world. And so write some things down. And even this morning as we pray, Get out a pen. There's one in the seat ahead of you. Write some things down that you really believe in the next year that you need to press into the Lord, pray for, whether in regards to yourself or others. And then fasting from, this is how I'd explain that. I'm, I'm giving up something so I can get something, right? And so I'm giving up something in my life, and what we want to get, I hope, is more of God. I, I want more of him in my life, and so I want to fast from so I can get I want to get more of him, more of his presence, more of his spirit, more of his leadership, more of God in my life. And so what, what are the things that you can shave off? Can you, can you get an hour, get up an hour early? Can you, can you go to bed an hour later? Some of you are like, yeah, I'm doing that one. Or, or maybe it's something that consumes your time, like social media or other things. Over 40 days saying, God, I'm going to not do this because I want more of you. And so that's what that is, and this is the journey that we're going to go on, and we're going to begin that today by creating space for that to happen. I'll talk about that more in a minute. And so, so again, thanks for being here today. I'm excited about this new year of what God's going to do in our lives and in the body of the people at North Canton Chapel. And one of the things that we have coming up, January 14th, if you are in a place of saying, I, I love what God is doing at North Canton Chapel, I want to be a part of it. On January 14th, we start our new member classes. We'd love for you to, to get on board and join that. There's more information inside of your worship guide for that. Um, but again, um, let's, let's pray this morning um, now that, that God would move and do great things amongst us. So if you will, let's pray together. <clears throat> Father, 
we thank you so much. We thank you so much for what you have done for us. And Lord, as we move into the new year, Lord, we desire for you to do something significantly more in our lives. Lord, we, we confess and we admit that our lives are cluttered beyond what they should be. And Lord, the last thing that should ever be pushed out of our life is you. And Lord, forgive us for pushing you out. Lord, forgive us for even having to say things like making space for you. But Lord, would you help us in this next season to get our priorities set straight. That you are the chief priority of our lives and of all things. Where it says in Isaiah, that, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake in your presence. Oh, Lord, would you today fall upon us in a very special way that in this room we might shake at your very presence. Lord, do a work in us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God, investigate my life. Get all the facts firsthand. I'm an open book to you. Even from a distance, you know what I'm thinking. You know when I leave and when I get back. I'm never out of your sight. You know everything I'm going to say before I start the first sentence. I look behind me and you're there. Then I go up ahead and you're there too. Your reassuring presence coming and going. This is too much. It's too wonderful. I can't take it all in. Read with me. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. The text says, search me, O God, and know my heart. See, the Puritans used to talk about the presence of God in this way. They would say that there was three ways the scripture says that we experience the presence of God. The first is his essential presence. In the scriptures, it says it like this. There's no height, there's no depth that I can free from you. There's nowhere that I can run or hide. His presence is everywhere. There's no space, there's no place that you and I have ever been that God doesn't know and he's unaware of. His presence is everywhere, his essential presence. But then the scripture also speaks about this other kind of presence of God, and it's a cultivated presence. 
David says it like this, earnestly I seek after you. I long for you. As a deer pants for living streams of water, so my soul longs after you. Paul says it, that, that I consider everything rubbish compared to the surpassing knowledge of you. And there's this like screaming of the soul is, God, I want more of you. It's the longing of the elders in the New Testament. They say, oh, that they would be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. There's a longing of the heart saying, Jesus, I want to be more like you. Help me cultivate a relationship with you that looks more, that makes me look more and more like you in the day to day. And then there's a third. And the third is one that we kind of quite don't know what to do with always. It's a little bit more peculiar and others in history have called it uh, the, the winds of the Holy Spirit. That God falls uniquely amongst his people in a unique way in which they can't express or describe. In days of old, we called it revival, right? This unique thing that God did. The Puritans called it the manifest presence of God. I prayed it a moment ago, but it says it like this, that in, in Isaiah, he says, Oh, that you would rend down the heavens, come down, that the mountains might quake in your presence. I hope today that we, in this kind of reigning in 2018, that God would do something very unique in our presence today. And I believe he's capable of that. And I believe it happens when collectively his people come together and say, God, we want more of you. We want to be right with you. We want you to expose in us that which isn't of you and help us turn from those things that aren't of you and turn towards you increasingly in our life. So the text, it says, search me, O God, and know my heart. It's interesting, this searching and seeking. Jeremiah 29, 13 says it like this. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Matthew 7, 7 says, search, it says, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. What the, the Bible says is God isn't this mysterious thing hiding from us that can't be found. Actually, God can be found when we seek him. And I'd ask you this morning, have you ever set your heart to seek the Lord? What a great thing for 2018 to say, God, this year, I commit to seek you. I commit to find you increasingly in my life. The text, first line says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Know my heart, my longings, my desires. It's peculiar because God's everywhere, right? He knows everything, and so it's an odd thing to say, search me, O God, and know my heart, because he already does. See, what the psalmist is doing is he's saying, God, I open myself up to you. I'm aware that you know, but I'm opening myself up to you because I know that you know me better than I know me. You know my intentions, you know my desires, you know my longings more than me. And so this prayer, search me, O God, and know my heart, it's a prayer of willfully opening ourselves up to God. So again, it says, search me. In a moment, we're going to pray for this. 
Search me before the Lord. No one else. Not my neighbor, not the person on the right or left. Search me. Notice the word, and he goes, not just search me, know my heart. He says, search me, oh God. He doesn't just say God. He says, search me, oh God. It's like this wonderful pause of reverence. Oh God, creator, holy one, the one who knows all things. Search me, oh God. Know my heart. My longings, my desires. Search me, oh God, and know my heart. Let's bow together, can we? In this moment of quiet, I want you to ask God to show you what you want. There's a good chance that some of us in this room want things like fame or safety or money or security. Ask God to name those things for you. Ask him to show you what's on your heart. As you continue in prayer, pay attention right now if this is uncomfortable for you. The idea that the God of the universe is now looking at your heart, the deepest part of your soul, your motivations, your longings. And if this is at all uncomfortable, express that to God and say, God, I want to know you like a father. Oh, God so that this isn't scary. There's also a good chance that in a room that's as full as this room that many of us don't know how to long or want. Some of us are dead inside or waiting to wake up. So if that's you, would you express that to God and say, God, would you deepen my desire right now? I want to see life in color again. I want to be wake. As we continue to move through this morning, just let this be the setting in which these feelings and these thoughts and these convictions start to emerge for you in Christ's name. Is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit, to be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I flew on morning's wings to the far western horizon, you'd find me in a minute. You're already there waiting. And then I said to myself, oh, he even sees me in the dark. At night, I'm immersed in your light. It's a fact. Darkness, it isn't dark to you. 
night and day, darkness and light, they're all the same to you. Please read with me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there are any grievous ways in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You can be seated. The second line in the text says, try me and know my thoughts. You know, it's peculiar, isn't it? Isn't it easy to see things in other people? Um, it doesn't take long to spend time around someone to make judgments. And sometimes we make judgments, and it sounds like this. Um, <clears throat> we do this with family. We can do it with coworkers. We do it all the time. We see someone, and we see this attribute that is truly not, not good, um, not even making a judgment. It's face value, what it is. And we say this phrase, what's his deal, right? What's her deal? Why do they keep acting like this and keep, keep, keep behaving in this way? Anybody ever said that about anybody? Right? Yeah. Somebody said it about their wife today, right? And so what's her deal, right? This, this moment of like, what's up with this person? I think the essence of this psalm is saying, what's my deal? Not looking at anyone else, but looking me. Try me. And know my thoughts. We'll get to the any grievous way in a minute, but but what's what's your deal? God knows our deal more than anybody else, doesn't he? He says, try me and know my thoughts. See, there's this peculiar thing that maybe you might ask yourself on a morning like this is why? Why say, God, search me and know my heart, try me and know my thoughts? It's very exposing, and it can be a bit uncomfortable, so, so why? Well, I'm just going to go to the why for a minute right now. The why is because there is one who died on the cross for your sins. There is one that was unlike any other, that lived a perfect life, sinless, without shame, without guilt, without the being entrapped by this world as we are, sinless, who was arrested and who was brutally beaten for your sins and for mine. His flesh was ripped from head to toe to take the punishment that was ours for our sin. He was nailed to a cross where he hung and died for you and for me. From that cross, he was buried in a tomb. I can't imagine the disciples in those moments all seemed to be lost. All of their hopes, all of their dreams, all they thought would be. But three days later, he rose from the dead, defeating death, giving us all the hope of resurrection one day. But he didn't just rise from the dead. He ascended to on high 
he sat down at the right hand of God, completing the work that we could not complete on our own. So why? Search me, O oh God. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. I don't know about what your why is, but my why is this. Jesus, I want to look like you. I want to love you. And I want to live for you. So he says, try me. Expose. Look at the press of my my past. Look Look at the future. Look at today. Try me. Refine me. Show me what this is that doesn't look like you in my life. Try me and know. I I want you to know. I want you to reveal this to me. Try me and know my thoughts. Now, that my thoughts is, some translations say it like this, my anxious thoughts, which is kind of embedded in that word thoughts. That which I am controlled by. It's funny how much our thoughts we're controlled by, right? If we think someone's out to get us, then how do we treat them, right? We're, we're controlled by our thoughts. They move us and they shift us in how we behave and how we act. It says, try me and know my thoughts. You see, Jesus is worthy of our trust And our devotion. He is good. He is gracious. He is kind. He is loving. He is generous. Generous. He is patient. He is all that we long for and desire. And coming to the conclusion that he is good and he has done a good work helps us in a moment say, try me and know my thoughts. Because I don't want to be controlled by me anymore. I want to be controlled by you. Let's bow together, can we? In this silence, I want you to imagine the darkest corner of your heart, the part that nobody else knows about. It's a room full of secrets and fears things that you've hidden away. In this dark corner or this back alleyway of your soul, imagine God's light shining and exposing what's hiding in there. And don't run away from it. But right now I want you to remind yourself of what Ryan just shared that you are a child of a loving heavenly father if you are hidden in Christ. Remind yourself that Jesus died so that you don't have to be afraid and you don't have to be ashamed. Ask God to show you What below the surface you're believing about yourself and about him that leads to control, anxiety, manipulation, fear. Say, God, take a look in the dark corners of my heart. Come on in. I want to show you these fears and these sins and these 
shameful motivations. And as he moves in that area of your life and in the area of your heart this morning, remind yourself that he is good and he is great. He is glorious and he is gracious to you. In Christ's name. Oh, yes. You shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God. You're breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit, how I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. All the days were prepared before me. Before I lived one day. Your thoughts, how rare, how beautiful. God, I'll never comprehend them. Please read with me. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there are any grievous ways in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Seated. You know, it's the thing in life. I liken it to this. When I was in when I was in high school, um, I went to a small school, and so you could do multiple um, sports. And so I wrestled, played football, and then, along with all my friends, we ran track because it helped you with the other sports, not because I liked running. Running is just a part of everything. And, uh, and so we, <clears throat> my team was really good, really fast, especially in sprints. Um, now, back then, I weighed about 145 pounds, and um, I, I wasn't quite fast enough for sprints, and it was just in the time where the 800 was changing to become a sprint, and that was kind of where no one else had space, so I ran 800s. Now, I didn't really care much about track, so I didn't practice very hard. So we were kind of long distance slash sprint race. And so I would, there was this 2.6 mile course that we had to run. Our coach would send us from school and it was around the entire edge of our town, just so you know how small of a town um, I grew up in. So we'd run the outskirts of town. Well, my friend lived on the course and so we would go into his house while everyone else was running, <laughs> have some snacks, watch some TV, then hop back on the course and run. And so now I, I was 
fairly in shape because we're doing other sports, and so I could kind of fake it. So then comes the first race, and I run the 800, and I'm sprinting, and I'm flying, right? I'm doing really well. And then I hit about 400, and I'm thinking, I don't think I'm going to make it. <laughs> I think my lungs are going to explode. And then I get to 300. I think, no, I can do this. I have 300 left. I can do this. I can do this. And I get to 200. I think, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And I get to 100. And I think, I'm going to kick. I'm going to kick. And guess what? There was nothing to kick. We call it this and running. This is maybe what we call it. We called it dropping the plow. And it was this moment where you're trying to run, and it's like you're pulling a plow behind you. And it's so hard to go, and you feel like you're walking, and everyone's passing you. That was me. And so then I learned to not eat snacks and sit on the couch and watch TV. I think some of us in our life, if, if we were honest, our spiritual life is somewhere kind of like that, where, where we've kind of dropped the plow and it's like we can't go forward. We started out well, maybe. But somewhere along the journey of our life, the hunger left and the longing left. And it's just exhausting sometimes to walk with God, to try to live an upright life, to live a life of holiness. This text, it says third line, and see if there be any grievous way in me. Yeah, you know, I think in the Christian life, the grievous way is the plow. It's the things in us that hold us back from sprinting and running. The things that, that hinder us, that entangle us, that chain us to that which we don't want to be. It says, and see, again, peculiar language, God sees. He spent all of Psalm 139, as Aaron's been reading, saying, God, you, you, you see everything. You're, you're everywhere. Theologically, we call it his omniscience and his omnipresence. They're, they're, they're everywhere. He, there's nothing outside of his scope. There's, there's, there's nothing that he doesn't see. So the text says, search me, right? Know my heart, try me, know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me. Now that grievous way has to do with intentions. It has to do with priorities. What is the, the way of grief in me? You maybe think about it in three ways. What, what are the ways of grief that I cause myself in my own life? There's these ways of grief, uh, ways of behavior that, that personally harm me and hold me back from living the life and being the man or the woman that God has made me to be. What are the ways of grief in my life that cause others pain and grief around me? Maybe it's your close friends, your family, your husband, your wife, your parents. What are the ways of grief in me that harm and hurt others that surround me. But last, most important, what are the ways of grief? Any grievous way in me toward God that are not moving toward his intended way, not moving toward his desires, not moving toward holiness and righteousness, 
the ways of grief. Now, God's wonderful. There's this word that we use. The Bible speaks of it often. It's this word called repentance. Typically in life, when we repent of something, we've been in a lot of trouble. Happens a lot in my house. It's forcibly applied upon children. Tell her sorry. And so repentance for many of us is this really, really bad thing. I'll tell you, in my Christian life, repentance has been the most wonderful thing. Because repentance is when I get right. Repentance is this moment when the weight is lifted. And I, I no longer have to walk in this way of grief. But I can walk in joy. And I can walk without the plow dropped behind me in my Christian life. So I don't know what it is for you this morning. But maybe... You could pray this and see if there be any grievous way in me. See, repentance works like this, the same. Repentance and confession are these tied together things. Lord, I know you know. I know you know my ways of grief. And here's what it is specific. Forgive me. And what's awesome about our God as he looks down at you and says, oh, son, oh, daughter, look at my son who died on the cross for you. I forgive you. And I've shown you that forgiveness by sending my most precious, the one of infinite value, to die for you. It says, and see if there be any grievous way in Brandon's going to lead us in a time of prayer. Let's bow. Now, you may feel stuck. You may have something in your life that you've known about for a long time that's holding you back, and you feel shackled by it. You feel tied up or bound by it. And I would ask you right now, Ask God to name that for you. God, I feel shackled by my... I feel bound by my... Whatever part of that you own, I want to encourage you to own it right now and say, God, I'm the one that did it. I've nurtured a belief that is wrong. I have stifled a relationship with others or with you. I own it. I have made a mess. I'm slowing myself down. Even though you want me to be free, I'm bound. So now I'd like for you to turn the corner a little bit and say, God, unbind me, unshackle me, break me free. I'm wrong and I know it. Make me new. Burn all that old stuff away. Let it drift out of my life. 
Make me look more like your son. I need your help. I can't do it alone. I love you, Father, in Christ's name. Investigate my life, oh God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong. Then, then guide me on the road to eternal life. Read with me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous ways in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. This text, it finishes. And the last two lines, last two sections of this verse, know my heart, try me, know my thoughts, see if there be any grievous way in me. There is a grievous way. And it says, and lead me in the way everlasting. Those, those two words are fairly important. There, there's a grievous way I can live my life and an everlasting way. See, it has everything to do with direction of where I'm going. Am I going in the everlasting? The old authors write about it like this. They call it the good old way. But there's this ancient path that has these future possibilities in our lives as we walk down it. And this ancient path is a path of righteousness and holiness. It's a path where God is, where his presence and his kindness and his mercy, they dwell overwhelmingly. So he says, and lead. With a desire saying, I, I want to follow you. I want to go where you're going. I want to move where you're moving. I want your leadership in my life. It's saying that I don't want to lead my own life. I want the one who made me, the one who created me, the one who sees me. I want your leadership in my life. I want your word. I want your will. I want your way to, to lead me and guide me in the day-to-day -day of my life. And lead and I move too fast words in this, and lead me. The psalmist isn't saying this person or that person. He's saying me. I want to be led by you. He says, in the way everlasting, in your way, in your righteousness, in your holiness. See, in the way everlasting in the New Testament, it works out like this. There's this moment where we see people come to faith in Jesus. They give their life to him. And then there's this public declaration where they say, I want to walk in the way everlasting. And I want to show everyone that I have a new Lord. I have a new leader. And that's called baptism. It's this thing in which we proclaim before all people that I was buried with Christ under the water. 
and raised to walk in a new way of life, meaning that there was a grievous way in which I walked that offended God. And now there's an everlasting way that I'm going to walk forever with him. And so today, New Year's Eve, to start off 2018, we have two that are going to be baptized to proclaim their love of Jesus and their commitment to walk in the way everlasting. If you'll turn your attention to the baptistry to celebrate with them this morning. Morning. This is Peyton Myers, our oldest granddaughter. Peyton, tell us why you've come today. Um, ever since I accepted Christ when I was seven years old, I wanted to be baptized, but I was either too young or I was nervous. When I was seven, my grandmother took me to a Bible study, and that's when I asked, when I was asked if I wanted to accept Christ. My answer was yes. Um, and now I want to live my life for him, and I love him so much, and I just want to live my rest of the rest of my days with them. Thank you for sharing that with us, Peyton. So I have a few questions to ask you. One, do you believe that you are a sinner? Yes. You believe that Jesus paid the ultimate price and died for your sins? Yes. And, and with that uh, profession, do you uh, intend to live your life for Jesus? Yes. Uh, as your Lord and Savior for the rest of your life? Yes. Uh, and with that profession, I want to now baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in death, raised to walk in the newness of life. you to someone special. This is Veldo. I met Veldo four years ago when I went to Starbucks and bought 25 gift cards and he was like, what in the world? Um, <laughs> but it was weird from that very day. He was a freshman at, at Walsh playing football and uh, immediately he asked about our church and it wasn't long before I started seeing him around here. And so uh, Veldo, um, I'm going to let you tell your story, and why do you want to be baptized today? Because I love God. I love him so much. And five years ago, he took me away from my loved ones, my home, from Cameroon, and he brought me to the United States, somewhere that I knew nobody, and I felt so alone. <clears throat> the change was huge for me, and it was hard. Because I left, a mom, um, I left a mom that did everything to show me that she loved me and took care of me the best she could, a single mom. And here I was, United States, 2005, away from home, feeling unloved and with a void and with an urge to find love in anything and in anyone. 2013, I moved to Ohio for college. That same move compared to the same move in 2005, because now I was leaving people in Michigan that have given me that love and took care of me. People that have stepped into my life and clothed me and feed me. And 2015, I woke up in the hospital bed 
because between then and 2015, I reached a breaking point where that love that I was seeking, that I wanted so bad, I couldn't have. So I woke up in a hospital bed. I woke up in a hospital bed to the doctor saying, Veldo, if you would have taken one more or two more, I don't know if me and you would be having this conversation today. But I woke up. Summer of 2017, I took a mission trip with the church, with the high school and middle school kids to rush camp. And on the last day, it was when I accepted Christ. And it's funny, because I was there. <laughs> I, was, I was there to serve this group of kids that are so awesome. And then I bonded with them on a special, in a special way. And they became my friends, and they became my brothers, and they became my sisters. And on the last day, I heard this song all week. And every time I heard these words, it broke me. And I fell on my knees. And the words go, you have no rival. You have no equal. And now and forever, our God reigns. Yours is the king. And yours, they give us the glory. In the name of all names. And I searched that song. In the name of that song, what a beautiful name. And that song became my song. And that's all became that's all became my life. Because every time I hear that song and it gets to that to get to those words, I think back to how far I've come. And I fall on my knees and I give all the grace and all the glory to God because I know it's by his grace that I'm standing before you today. Two weeks ago I graduated college. Two nights ago, my mom gave birth to a little brother that I have <coughs> now waiting for me back home to see his big brother's face and for me to hold him. And I know by God's grace, he's got me here today. And I know this is not the end. It is only the beginning for his plans that he has for me or greater than the plans that I have for myself. You know, I had dreams. And every time those dreams fell, I tell myself what he has for me and what he has in store for me is greater than what I have in store for myself. So instead of being sad, I rejoice. And I know that what's to come for me and for my life and for my family is greater. Now, I'm going to ask you a few questions. Do you believe that you've sinned and rebelled against God? Yeah. Do you believe because of your sin you deserve God's wrath? Do you, are you willing to make not only Jesus your Savior, but your Lord, for him to be in control? Yeah. Upon your public profession of faith, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. It's incredible what God can do, huh? Uh, there is a, there's an everlasting way, 
and that everlasting way, we just heard it. It's this, it's this way that I don't have to walk in my grief. I don't have to walk in the pain. I don't have to walk in the shame. But I can walk in an everlasting way full of joy, full of peace, full of the love that I long for. And I know you do too. And so in light of Peyton, in light of Melo, in light of what we've heard from the scriptures this morning, Will you respond to his grace this New Year's Eve? And say, God, I want to walk in the way everlasting with my life. Lead me in the way. I don't want to be in charge anymore. You're greater, you're, you're above me, you're beyond me. And so today, maybe even by that, God said, you need to get baptized. You need to publicly proclaim your faith in Jesus Christ. Over these next 40 days, you do it. Maybe today, you realize that you don't know Jesus you heard those testimonies from the waters and said, that's not me. I've never surrendered my life to Christ. Maybe today, as we sing this last song, you say, I'm going to give my life to Jesus in 2018. It's not just going to be a new year, but I'm going to have a new life. And in 2018, I'm going to walk in the way everlasting with the one who loved me and gave himself for me.